What up? Welcome to hour number two of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD, Channel 4, and the Spears and Ali podcast. If you want to call into the show, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. We got Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority joining us later at 425. And then uh, Gerald Borgay from PHNX will call in to talk about the Phoenix Suns at 440. And then uh, Jabari Davis will uh, join us at 525 to discuss the Kyrie Irving trade. Uh, Sham Sharania from The Athletic recently just tweeted out, it's official, Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, the 2029 first-round pick, and two second-round picks in 2027 and 29. So that's the official trade. Kyrie Irving is officially a member of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, but enough about Kyrie Irving and that whole situation. Let's talk some Arizona Wildcats basketball. Man, it was a good weekend for both Arizona men and women's basketball programs. And the women's basketball team sweeping the L.A. schools for the first time in 22 seasons on the road. And they did it in very thrilling fashion. I mean, Arizona, they were down against UCLA. And UCLA is one of the top teams in the Pac-12. And to beat them in Poly Pavilion... And how they did it was r- remarkable. But Arizona, they were down, and they went on an 11-0 run to end regulation. Arizona, in the final like five minutes of the game, they went on an 11-0 run to end regulation. They were 10 for 10 from the free throw line, down the stretch, and in overtime. And they were phenomenal. And Arizona, they come back to beat UCLA in overtime. And then they turn it around on Sunday, and Kate Reese... Scores a career-high 33 points. Arizona trailing at halftime. They come back to beat the USC Trojans in double OT. So, man, the Arizona women's basketball team, Adia Barnes, you got to give it up to them because, you know, they had a couple of questionable losses this season, and you wondered, what's the ceiling of this team? Can they be considered the top team in the Pac-12 besides Stanford? You know, UCLA is a really good team. They have some other really good teams in the conference, and I think that this weekend showed that this team has a lot of fight. And even though they faced adversity all season long with injuries, with losses, this team led by Adia Barnes, they got some fight in them. And I'm not going to count them out in the big dance because if they can play like that, especially down the stretch in March Madness, sky's the limit for this Arizona women's basketball team. So, the good job for Adia Barnes and, and their club for getting it done this weekend. Uh, they were phenomenal. We're going to talk to uh, P.J. Brown, Arizona women's basketball insider, uh, during tomorrow's – or excuse me, Wednesday's Spears and Ali, so I can't wait to, to get her on the show. And then um, another thing that happened this past weekend, the Arizona men's basketball team. I know a lot of people went to the games this past weekend. Um, that, that game against Oregon was fantastic. Uh, Zulus Tubella scoring 40 points. Also getting nine boards. The following game, he had 19 points and eight rebounds against Oregon State. So it was a it was a mild 19 points considering how he was uh, able to score a 40 piece on Thursday. But Azulus Tubelis had a great weekend this past weekend, and he is named Pac-12 Player of the Week for the second week in a row. It's the third time he's got Pac-12 Player of the Week during his Arizona career. But Azulus Tubelis, I mean, it was no question he was going to get Pac-12 Player of the Week. And truth be told, I think it's no question that he's going to be Pac-12 Player of the Year. 
miss me with the whole Jaime Jaquez, Brandon Carlson, all the other stuff. This weekend put a stamp on Azul Sabellas being Pac-12 Player of the Year. If you have an argument and you want to tell me anyone else in the conference who's playing better basketball, feel free, 719-1490, 719-1490, because you call in and you tell me another player another player playing better basketball than Azulus Tubelas, I'm going to call you an idiot, straight up. Nobody in the Pac-12 is playing better basketball than Azulus Tubelas right now. And, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone other than Zach Eady playing better basketball than Azulus Tubelas. And after this past weekend, I've really started to think, yeah, Zulus Tubelas, he's an All-American. He is not only an All-American, but he's also a candidate for National Player of the Year, and he should be, especially with how he's performed ever since the, the start of the calendar year. I mean, Azulus Tubelas, ever since 2023 happened, he's been averaging 21.7 points and 10.6 rebounds. The man is averaging a double-double. In the last 10 games, he's produced seven double-doubles. It's it's amazing, man. Azulus Tubelas is playing terrific basketball. And I know that it's a team sport. Arizona, besides Tubelas, is playing good basketball. I mean, we can go in and talk about Kirk Risa and the numbers that he's been putting up. But Azulus Tubelas, man, he is the real deal. And... Averaging 29.5 points and 8.5 rebounds against the Oregon schools, that's going to get you um, Pac-12 Player of the Week honors, no doubt. And also, another thing that's crazy is that he's now at 499 points total for the entire season. That matches his season total from a year ago. We still got like seven or eight games left in Pac-12 play, and then the Pac-12 tournament, and then the big dance. Azuz Tubelis has already matched his season points total from a year ago, and there's still plenty of season to be played. So Azuz Tubelis is playing, like I said, over and over, guys. I know I sound like a broken record player, but he is playing some damn good basketball. And he moved up to, I think, 26th, or no, excuse me, 27th on Arizona Careers points. He just passed Alonzo Trier and Ivan Radenovich. And to uh, echo what... Tommy Lloyd said after the game on Saturday, Azulus Tubelas needs to be in the National Player of the Year conversation. And unfortunately, a lot of people have these narratives already made up in their head. I'm not going to discredit Zach Eady. I'm not going to do that at all because he's more than just a 7-4 big man. No, he's he's averaging a double-double this season. He is playing some good basketball. But if Zach Eady had 40 points in a conference game and they won, everyone would be talking about it. It would be all over SportsCenter. CBS, college basketball, they'd be raving about Zach Eady. He's the, the greatest thing to ever happen since sliced bread. And I've seen it with my very eyes. And I know that you know Arizona fans, they can sometimes blow things out of proportion when it says, like, oh, people don't respect us nationally. People, and I always thought you guys were crazy. Arizona basketball fans. I'm like, no, people respect Arizona basketball. It's a national brand. Now I see it. Now I see the disrespect because I tuned in on college game day on Saturday. And I was like, I'm curious to see how many times they're going to mention Arizona or even Azulus Zubelas. I mean, they got to mention the 40-point game at least once, right? I watched that whole one-hour program. And maybe I missed it. 
I was watching it live. Maybe uh, I was up getting coffee or getting breakfast, and I just completely missed it. But when I was watching College Game Day, I didn't hear or see a single mention of Azulus Tubelis' 40-point game. And again, if Zach Eady from Purdue was putting up this kind of performance, it'd be everywhere. Scott Van Pelt, now he does a good job talking Arizona. I'll, I'll give him that. But SportsCenter would be leading with that. They'd be talking about it. But again, not a single mention of Azulus Tubelis' 40-point game. And Tommy Lloyd would say, oh, maybe our, our local media can help out with that. I'm not going to campaign on Twitter or in my, on my platform because I write for the Arizona Daily Star. I can't use my platform at the Star to promote a player because that's just journalism ethics. We're, we're crossing a, a weird line there. I'm never going to you know, put on pom-poms for a player or campaign for anyone to be National Player of the Year. But I am going to talk about the facts. And the facts right here is that Azulus Tubelis is arguably the best big man in college basketball not named Zach Eady. Um, and it's it's incredible. He's terrific. He's playing tougher. He's emerged as an alpha dog. And it's just a little unfortunate that no one is really talking about him nationwide. And I get it. Like, he's not the – It's it's almost like the – the, the attractiveness factor when you look at the games between Benedict Matherin and Azulus Tubelis. Benedict Matherin was being talked about nationwide last season. That's why I said initially, like, I don't understand why Arizona fans are so upset about national media coverage. I mean, Ben Matherin was an All-American. He was one of the best players in college basketball. People raved about him. But Benedict Matherin is also a shooting guard. Benedict Matherin also had um, a bigger body of work for his National Player of the Year campaign because Benedict Matherin, with the exception of the first couple games of the season last year, he was always that dude. And non-conference play, putting up, uh, was it 30 points against Illinois and, and leading Arizona on the road. Like, these games that Benedict Matherin put up in non-conference play allowed him to kind of have a platform in conference play, and then we all saw what he did in Pac-12 play. He was that dude. And when you look at the difference between Azulus Tubelis and Benedict Matherin, their games are different. Benedict Matherin is that flashy guard that you just absolutely love to watch. Your eyes are fixated on Ben Matherin anytime he touched the floor at the University of Arizona. Azulus Tubelis, I mean, he had 19 points against Oregon State. And like Tommy Lloyd said, it was the quietest 19 points a player has ever recorded. He just kind of scores just like that. And it's not the the most attractive game. Because remember, Benedict Matherin, he was knocking down three-pointers. Azulus Tubelis put up 40 points and did it by not even scoring a three-pointer. So, it, the the again, the attractiveness between the games, for Benedict Matherin, it's a little bit different, and that's why he was getting a little bit more love. And again, also the, the body of work. Benedict Matherin also dominated in non-conference play. Azulus Tubelis has always been consistent. He's been scoring in double figures every single game this season. Every single game Azulus Tubelis has scored in double figures. But over the course of the season, I mean, we raved about, ooh, Umar Balo and his dominance in the Maui Invitational. Oh, man, Courtney Ramey, he's really starting to come on. We talked about all these players and how well they're doing, and Azulus Tubelis has just been that consistent motor just humming all along and has been really 
the infrastructure of Arizona. He's been kind of like the transmission. If Arizona's a car, he's like the transmission. He's the he's the important stuff. He's the thing that really holds it all together. Um, and I think that Azulis Tubelos really needs to get the proper respect nationally. I mean, he certainly get it in in, in the Pac-12. Like he's Pac-12 Player of the Week um, for the for the second time this season. All across West Coast hoops, people know about Azulis Tubelos, but unfortunately, people aren't staying up at 11 o'clock midnight East Coast time to watch Azulis Tubelos put up 40 points against the Arizona or against the Oregon Ducks. Just no way that it's happening. But got to tip your cap to him. And considering that this is a year after he was a big disappointment in the NCAA tournament, it's truly a remarkable feat. He got manhandled in the tournament. In the big dance against, uh, what was it, TCU in Houston, it seemed like none of the shots were falling, and the different types of forwards and big men that he was playing against, they punked him. And Azul Stabella showed, I need to get a little bit tougher. And so he went into the offseason and said, rather than playing for Lithuania in the FIBA World Cup qualifier, and listen, I'm going to be playing for Lithuania for a long, long time, especially in the Olympics. I'm going to get better this summer. So him and his brother, Topulus, they spent all summer in the gym working together. And Azulis Tubelis was just by himself in Tucson, getting better and better every single day. And I remember talking to him at the start of the season, and he took that loss to Houston very personal. And he made it personal. And went into the offseason and grinded and worked. And now we're starting to see Azuz Tubela start to enjoy the fruits of his labor. And we discussed that Arizona needed that dude to step up. Azuz Tubela is certainly that dude for the Arizona Wildcats. Now, does he need to maybe develop a three-point shot if he wants to have a long NBA career? Maybe. But but also depends on the fit and in, in how he plays uh, with with that franchise. I mean, I think about him with the Denver Nuggets. I would love to see Azulis Tubelis in that Aaron Gordon-type role with Nikola Jokic, who's so versatile as a big man. Um, but outside of just, you know, Azulis Tubelis playing great basketball, Arizona, they're making strides this season. I mean, against uh, the Oregon schools, they had 18 total steals and scored 42 points off 27 forced turnovers. Um, according to CBS's Seth Davis, this is probably the most notable stat out of this past weekend for the Arizona Wildcats. According to Seth Davis, Arizona was ranked 88th in the country in defensive efficiency on January 18th. January 18th. That's a couple of weeks ago. Ever since then, Arizona has moved up to number one in defensive efficiency. From 88th to number one in defensive efficiency. And also, during Arizona's uh, six-game winning streak, their opponents have shot just 37.5% and 27.4% from three-point range. So defense has really been a point of emphasis for the Wildcats during this stretch. And, you know, we always talk about Tommy Lloyd and his offense and how it's so fast and it's so fun to watch, but the defense lately has been really, really fun to watch. And I think you have to tip your cap to guys like Courtney Ramey, Kirk Risa obviously hitting the deck and trying to take some charges, Pella Larson in his 
um, new role as a sixth man, going back to kind of his role from last year. Uh, the Wildcats have just the the different moves that they made over the last six games. They're getting better on defense. Now they're starting to score more over the last couple of games, and you really feel pretty good about Arizona at this point right now if you're an Arizona Wildcat fan. And also another big thing that happened against Oregon State is that they got their bench involved. They got Philip Borovichinen, or as we call Philly B around here. Um, they also got Henry Vesar, the big man who was benched earlier. Adama Ball came in and added eight points in ten minutes. I mean, we've been hoping for Adama Ball to have a really solid second season at the helm, and he hasn't been that dude. So I thought it was really cool for Arizona to uh, get into the bench a little bit and let those guys play because you never know. Ask Adama Ball about the Pac-12 championship against UCLA. You never know when your time's coming and that Tommy Lloyd's going to call on you. Tommy Lloyd called on Adama Ball in that Pac-12 championship game. He came in and knocked down two three-pointers, and that was big for Arizona. Arizona only has seven guys on the bench. That eighth or ninth guy, you never know when they're going to be inserted in the game, and I thought it was really cool to to get those guys some run because uh, they're going to need that experience just in case for the NCAA tournament. All right, let's talk more Arizona basketball and also an Arizona football coaching hire with Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority. You're listening to Spears and Ali right here on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studios, you're listening to Spears and Ali presented by Soul Sports at Casino del Sol, Tucson Federal Credit Union, and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now, I don't mean to sound like Rodney Dangerfield here, but you know who gets no respect? Azulus Tubelis, nationally at least. Uh, Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority joining us here on ESPN Tucson. So, Jason, uh, we were just talking about it in the previous segment, how Azulus Tubelis is putting up insane numbers Seven double-doubles in the last ten games. We all saw him put up 40 points last week against Oregon. Yet I feel like nobody's really talking about Azulus Tubelis. Why is that? Uh, a lot of it is just it, it's, it's time and place. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if he was playing at a, on a Monday night with the only game on TV on ESPN, I think people would recognize it. it, it he's, he's hurt a lot by the fact that he's on Arizona that he's playing bad Pac-12 teams for the most part, and that he's just not getting the kind of the the public viewing that a lot of these other guys are getting. Yeah, and I, I know that Trace Jackson Davis, he, he's a good player, but, man, really went quiet, <laughs> or at least compared to Arizona's bigs, didn't really you know outperform them. And yet I see people putting Trace Jackson Davis in the same category as a guy like Azulis Tubelis, and I'm like, listen, I agree with Tommy Lloyd. Outside of Zach Eady, you there is not a single player in college basketball playing as well as Azulis Tubelis right now. Yeah, and the thing with, with Zoo and, and Zach Eady, I think those are probably the, the two guys that you know what you're going to get every single game from those two. Like, you're going to get similar numbers no matter who the opponent is, and a lot of times they'll outperform their averages, but they won't really underperform them. Whereas other guys, even Trace, like, you might get a – a 10-8 and eight game where he played well, but he didn't put up big numbers. Azulis is going to get that 20-9 and nine, like every single game, and then you have the 40-point performance. Zach Eady, you're going to get some monster performances. And, and those two guys are just as consistent as it gets. And, you know, it, it's something where it's almost like we don't reward the fact that, like, even, and even I'm guilty of it saying, well, Zoo had a quiet 20-10 and 10 because he does it every single game. Yeah. 
I was wondering who was going to step up and be that alpha dog type of guy with Benedict Matherin gone. And I and you you started to see at the start of the season, like, okay, you got Azuz Tubelis and Umar Balo. Both of those guys are, you know, the the tandem, the the front court that Arizona's gonna, you know, rely on, and that's gonna be Arizona's bread and butter this season. And I still think Umar Balo is still one of the best bigs, not only in the Pac twelve, but in the country. But man, Azuz Tubelis has really turned into that guy that I think Arizona can rely on in the tournament. What do you make of just how he's been able to kind of play more like an alpha dog rather than, you know, the the more reserved guy that we've seen in years past? You know, when you look back on it in the in the preseason media, Zeus sat with us and was very blunt and open about how he did not play well against Houston and TCU and how he took it personally. And and I think that's what it is, is the fact that Everyone kind of trashed him and kind of ignored what he did during the regular season, and he understood why that was, and he understands now that he has to kind of take that next step, and, and that's what happened. I mean, he's clearly the best player on this team, and obviously it's one of the more talented teams in the country, um, and he's clearly that guy that, you know, he hasn't been pushed around. Like, he's faced good players. Tennessee tried to be physical with him. Indiana, you know, we were talking about Trace just now, and, and their UCLA, et cetera. He's played good defensive teams that have tried to take him out of the game by being physical and it hasn't worked. Whereas last year against Houston and TCU, that was the recipe. And, and so now I'm curious once we get to the tournament, you know, what are these teams going to try to do? Because being physical and pushing them around just isn't really an option anymore. Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority joining Spears and Ali on ESPN radio. Um, so we were just talking about Azulis Tabellis and, and how he's been able to really improve his game ever since the turn of the calendar year. I mean, he's been consistent all year long, don't get me wrong, but ever since 2023 started, man, he's just been so dominant. But uh, Arizona's guards have also really stepped up. Kirk Kreisov, we were really concerned with his three-point shooting. His numbers have gotten better. Courtney Ramey, his numbers have gotten better, and they're playing better defense. So it's not just Azulis, Tubalos, and Umar Balo. I think collectively Arizona has really stepped up over the last six games. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you can make an argument every guy on this team is, is playing better, you know, in the new year. You know, I look at Kirk Kreese in the last few weeks. His shooting has obviously taken off to, to a level that Arizona wanted him to be at. Courtney Ramey going back to the, the L.A., you know, home homestand, defensively has been as, as good as it gets in the conference, really done well against some of the better guards in the conference almost every game. And, and that's kind of what we were waiting for. Like Courtney Ramey came to Arizona with the reputation of being a really good defender and wasn't there yet. And, and Tommy Lloyd kept saying it'll get there, and, and it did. And same as Kirk Kreese, the shooting was not there. He had some just, you know, flat-out awful numbers to start the conference. And now in the last two, three weeks, he has some of the better shooting games you know the move from to put Pella Larson and bring him off the bench he's responded extremely well when it could have easily gone the opposite way it just seems that everything is kind of kind of clicking right now at, at the right time <laughs> what's what's so funny is Kirk Kreese he is an interesting personality and we've really gotten to know, know him over the last couple of years but you know I was thinking about the press conference after Oregon and he shows up wearing like a fur coat almost and we somebody asked the the guys, hey, what's been so impressive about what you guys have been able to do defensively? And then Kirk Risa says, oh, Azulis only talks about offense. He just scored 40 points. I'll talk about the defense. Like, his humor and how just quick-witted he is, it's, it's really interesting. And I think he's probably one of the more interesting personalities to ever play for the University of Arizona. You know, it's funny because – 
I love covering Kirk. He's a talkative. You know, he's a great interview. And at the same time, I, I fully recognize that if you're not a fan of Arizona, you absolutely hate Kirk Reza. <laughs> like, you know, he, he just yeah. he rubs you the wrong way, and and everything he does. But like covering him, like you know, he's he's great to talk to. Like you mentioned, he's a great personality. He has fun, you know, playing college basketball. There's other guys that it's just very straightforward. He gives it to you very honestly. You know, he gives you great quotes. And yeah, like I agree, he's it, it's fun when you cover college athletics to cover personalities and, and guys that are pretty straightforward with you and. And that's what Kirk Risa is, and uh, it's great for, for everybody that's an Arizona fan. Have you ever seen a player touch a referee on the nose when talking to him? Like, that's the that's the kind of I stuff that not. Kirk Risa does. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked. Like, I didn't realize he did it until, like, there's a good photo out there of his, like, his finger on the ref's nose, and it's like, yeah, you're, you're lucky you know that ref because you can't get away with that, you know, <laughs> pretty much any time else. Yeah, David Kelly uh, from KBOA posted a video of, of Kirk Creesa touching the referee on the nose. I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. Knowing the, the type of egos that some referees have, for them to allow that I think shows the, I guess maybe the respect that Kirk Creesa has from officials. But um, when, it, when it's all said and done, Jason, when you look at this team, how do you feel about them as we now approach March? You know, I feel fine. Like, I feel good. I think this team has a high ceiling. I think that there's games that, you know, when they win, there's still parts of the game where you say, oh, they still could have done that better. They still could have rebounded well or turned the ball over less. And that's something that you want to say. Like, you don't want to say, man, that's as good as they're going to get. You want to be able to say this time of year, no, they, they still have another gear they could get to. And, you know, the thing is, when, when you watch college basketball this year, a lot of times we say it's, it's open and then it winds up being the same five teams or whatever. This year it feels like it's truly open. Like I would, I would put Arizona against anyone in the country and feel perfectly fine about it. You know, and, and, and it's just, it, it feels like it's wide open and, and Arizona still has room to improve, which I think is as important as anything. All right, Jason, uh, before we let you go, let's move over and uh, talk some football now. Um, I saw that uh, reports out there have John Richardson former Washington State in uh, North Dakota State and Wyoming cornerbacks coach. He is now the new corners coach for the University of Arizona. So him and you also got Dwayne Aquina as a senior defensive analyst. Uh, what do you make of just these two guys joining Jed Fish's staff? It's, it's a great combo because Aquina, we know what he can do. We know his resume, the guys that he's coached and all that. The NCAA is expected to pass a rule where analysts could coach on the field and be more hands-on, which would be great. And then you look at John Richardson, he's a very good coach in his own right, but the thing with him is he is very connected in Southern California. Um, you know, when, when the job first opened, you had seven-on-seven team coaches and Twitter accounts and all that saying, you know, Arizona should give him a close look. It is, it is going to be felt on the recruiting trail, and he's also a good coach. So um, the, the fact that they were able to add both these guys to coach the position, to me, is, it, it pretty much went as well as Jed Fish could have hoped. National Signing Day was very quiet. I mean, Arizona added one wide receiver. But, man, you know, National Signing Day in the past has always been such a big deal in the spring. Now you don't really get that feel anymore. It's all happening in the month of December. What's your take? You know, especially, you know, at 24-7 sports, you guys are, you know, at the hub of recruiting. So what do you make of just the recruiting calendar and what it's turned into? Yeah, I mean, we, we treat the, the early signing day like we would have, you know, the one in February. That, that's all it is at this point. It's, you know, the, the one in it, the early one is clearly the big signing day, and you'll have some top 
big-time guys or whatever take their time. But, um, you know, I, I think that the goal is to get everything done in December and kind of reassess what you got done and then decide, okay, are there some high school guys out there or now do we want to be aggressive in the portal? So I, from my perspective, I don't mind the calendar, but the February signing day, as long as there's the early one, obviously, the, the February signing day will always be kind of back up. And I, I kind of like the, the idea of the early signing just because it, it gives schools a better perspective and a better view of what they need to get from there on out. Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. You can follow him on Twitter and find his work at 247sports.com. Real quick, Jason, uh, what was your favorite part of the Grammys last night? So it's got to be the hip-hop uh, yeah. award, right? I Absolutely. Mean, I mean, my, my kids are looking at me like I'm nuts, and my, my wife and I are completely jamming out, and my daughter's just sitting there staring <laughs> at me. You got no idea. You just sit back and watch your pay. He said, You said, all right, kids, now I'm going to show you the Cabbage Patch. Watch as I do it. <laughs> uh, Jason Jason Shear, follow him on Twitter. Check him out at 247sports.com. Jason, always appreciate you. Thank you once again, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Text ESPN Tucson to 95938 to join the ESPN Tucson Mobile Club. You'll get updates from us about events, deals, contests, and alerts you need to know about. Message and data rates may apply. Yeah, when I was uh, jamming out to the Hip Hop 50 uh, celebration at the Grammys last night, I if you I, I turned down my TV, and I, I I put my my ear up towards the wall, and nationwide I could hear the sound of ankles and joints crackling during the set of people jamming out in the living rooms. Man, it was that was awesome. The Hip Hop Fifty set, Method Man, Outcast. I mean, the whole thing. It was just absolutely great. All right, uh, we were just talking some Arizona football and Arizona basketball and Azulus Tubelis and how he's putting together quite the National Player of the Year campaign. But now let's turn our attention to the NBA. All right, Kyrie Irving traded to the Dallas Mavericks. So what's next for the Phoenix Suns? We ask Suns insider Jared Borgay from PHNX. Stay tuned. Spears and Ali here on ESPN Tucson. We're actually giving away a pair of tickets to go see the FC Tucson's 13th annual Desert Showcase in their preseason MLS soccer match. Uh, man, there are a lot of great games uh, going on this month. On February 8th, you got Chicago Fire FC taking on Sacramento FC at Keto North Stadium. Uh, you got Real Salt Lake and Tucson native Justin Glad. They're also in town. So if you want tickets to go see MLS soccer spring training at Keno North Stadium, then uh, stay tuned because at the end of this hour, we're giving away a pair of tickets. But let's talk some NBA with uh, Gerald Bourget from PHNX, Phoenix Suns insider. Gerald, thank you for your time as always. And I got to say, I mentioned that the Dallas Mavericks would be among the teams interested in Kyrie Irving, but I did not think that the Dallas Mavericks would actually look to make the move. But they traded away Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and picks. What do you make of this trade by the Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think they were kind of looking for that second superstar to pair next to Luka Doncic. Everybody knew it. Um, they were borderlining on desperate, and I feel like that's kind of what you have to be yeah. to trade for Kyrie Irving at this point. Like, if you're hinging everything on Kyrie being your second superstar to keep Luka happy, I good luck with that. He's forced his way off his last three teams. Um, I think it's going to be tremendous to watch either way, whether it is spectacular on-court success or it blows up like <laughs> I, I think it's going to be incredible to watch either way um, you know obviously 
as an ISO heavy team in terms of having two guys that can go out and get a bucket and kind of easing Luka Doncic's load, that helps a ton. But they got real they got a lot worse defensively. Like they were already twenty fourth in defensive rating. They just traded their best defender in Dorian Finney Smith. Um and I do think they will miss him and having a backup point guard like Dinwiddie in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting. I'm sure the Mavs probably aren't done pursuing deals, but I don't know if they necessarily got better. I think they, their high-end talent got better, but as a team, I'm not entirely sold on this one. Yeah, and Gerald, when has a team ever been upset that they got rid of Kyrie Irving? Because you look at the Celtics, they bounce back. <laughs> they end up going to the NBA Finals, and I feel like the, the Brooklyn Nets – at some point can find a way to bounce back in the post-Kyrie Irving era. So, yes, he's a great player. He's an all-star starter this year for a reason. I mean, you got to tip your cap to him. Like, he's he's played some good basketball this year. But to be honest with you, Gerald, I just I don't really trust him. And when you think about the last four years, it's just mind-boggling to think that him and Kevin Durant have only played 74 games together. Right, and that's the thing that people are not bearing in mind because I've seen a lot of people upset to see the Suns' name mentioned in there and not be able to pull the deal off and get him you know, as a second superstar next to Devin Booker. And I'm like, this is the guy that you want them to replace Chris Paul with for the long term? Like, The guy has missed nearly as many games during his time with the Nets as he's played in. It's literally within eight games. And yeah, some of that wasn't actually due to injury, but I think it's worse because a lot of the games that he missed last season were due to his decision to sit out and not get vaccinated like the rest of his teammates. So yeah. this is a guy that's forced his way out of Boston, that forced his way off of a Cavaliers team that had just won a title the year before and had LeBron James. Uh, he told a group full of Boston fans he'd be back and left within the year. He's now, you know, he recruited Kevin Durant to join him in Brooklyn, and now he's bailing on that situation as well after j- driving James Harden away. Like, this is not a guy that you want in your locker room. This is not a guy that you can depend on to stay healthy. And he hasn't been out of the second round since 2017. So, like, I get that Kyrie was phenomenal during that championship run that they had. I get that he's been incredible in spots in the playoffs. But if you look at his numbers in his last few postseasons, they've completely fallen off. He can't stay healthy. And there's a lot of headaches that come with having yeah. this guy. So I just... I don't understand the appeal at this point. I really don't. Yeah. And, you know, the Phoenix Suns, obviously, a, a, a team as, you know, they were mentioned as a team that could possibly get Kyrie Irving. But now that Kyrie Irving is a member of the Dallas Mavericks, we're starting to see the reports. Once again, Gerald, I had to make sure, like, I this wasn't, I, I didn't hop into a, a time travel machine and went back to summer of 2022. Here it is in February 2023, and now the KD to Suns talks are starting to ramp up again. What's your thoughts on that situation? Yeah, I mean, look, I would love to – I have to imagine that this will not sit well with KD and his future in Brooklyn is obviously going to be in doubt. But the odds that he forces his way out of Brooklyn before the trade deadline in a couple of days is like less than 1%. I just – I don't see it happening um, you know, maybe this is something you can revisit in the off season when the dust has settled on their season. Um, like the Nets are not going to contend for a title, I don't think, as currently constructed, but they're also not done making moves. Like they just added a first round pick from the Mavs that's unprotected. Uh, Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith are guys that you could potentially flip elsewhere um, if you want to make a bigger move. Um, I, 
I just I don't see it happening before Thursday. I think this is something that you might have to revisit in the off season um, because we saw it during training camp, leading up to training camp all last summer. Like until Durant was going to threaten not to play, the Nets had all the leverage. They have him under contract for like three more seasons. So I don't see that situation changing any. And there's not really enough time for this whole frustration with the Kyrie situation to play itself out to where he's trying to force his way out of town. So as much as I get the Kevin Durant rumors, and I I think it could be on the table later, it's not going to happen this week, I don't think. Jared Borgay, Phoenix Suns insider from PHNX, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. Uh, Gerald, I saw earlier today that uh, Baxter Baxter Holmes from ESPN reported that uh, Phoenix Suns president and CEO Jason Rowley has uh, resigned from his post at uh, at the Phoenix Suns. I'm assuming that this is because of his ties to the whole Robert Sarver situation. Yeah, and and you know we saw the reports earlier uh, this year or last year from Baxter Holmes about the things that Jason Rowley was alleged, um, the role that he played in that toxic work environment under Sarver. He was definitely one of the people that needed to go in terms of building a new regime and a, a better workplace for employees. So it, it's great. I mean, it's framed as him resigning. I don't know whether that's him actually resigning or Matt Ishbia basically saying, look, you can get out now and, and try and save your dignity by resigning, quote unquote, or I can just fire you and make a big deal of it when I get officially installed. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but either way, this is a positive for Suns fans, for Suns employees, and for the people in the organization. Um, there's still probably some work that needs to be done in terms of cleaning house and, and removing the people that were uh, conducive to this workplace environment. But having rally gone is a good thing for sure. What's it like up there in Phoenix? Is it a complete madhouse right now? I know that PHNX, you guys are doing big things at Radio Row <laughs> leading up to the Super Bowl. But, man, you got Super Bowl. You got waste management. I feel like every rapper under the sun is in town performing a concert at some club. Man, it's got to be lit in Phoenix right now. Oh, yeah, it's pure chaos, and that's not even talking about the Suns and the trade deadline and uh, <laughs> announcing a new owner probably on Wednesday. <laughs> Phoenix is apparently the uh, the mecca of sports right now for this week. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. And PHNX is doing a great job covering all of it, so go check out their content at gophnx.com, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for all the Suns coverage, follow Gerald Bourget on Twitter as well. Gerald, always appreciate you. Thank you once again, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Gerald. All right, coming up next, we have a pair of tickets to go to the FC Tucson's 13th Annual Desert Showcase preseason MLS soccer match. Got a number of matches that you can go to, but if you want a pair of tickets to any of them, come up or coming up next, we're giving them away. Stay tuned. How about that Grammys performance last night? That was unbelievable. The Hip Hop 50 Year Anniversary or Hip Hop 50 Show set, whatever you want to call it. That performance was spectacular. I enjoyed every single second of it. I swear LL Cool J doesn't age. I need to find that man's skincare. Because him and uh, Pharrell Williams, those two guys, if you look at pictures of them now compared to, let's say, 20 years ago, they look exactly the same. It's, It's insane how well guys like LL Cool J age. And when I was seeing him on stage last night, I'm like, this guy... I got to get on whatever he's on because uh, I, I need to age like that. But, man, it was it was a great show. I, I love seeing uh, Method Man and all the great hip-hop artists uh, take the stage for that. So it was definitely a treat. 
But anyways, we're closing out hour number two here on Spears and Ali, and it's now time for our giveaway. If you want to go see the Desert Showcase preseason MLS soccer match, we're giving away a pair of tickets right now. First caller at 719-1490, 719-1490 will get the tickets. Uh, you know, the games that are uh, included in this, we, we got, what, Chicago and Sacramento. Plus, we also have Salt Lake City. They're also in town as well. So a few MLS soccer teams are in town. So if you want to go see MLS spring training at Keno North Stadium, call right now, 719-1490. And, man, there's a that's just one of a handful of things that's going on in the spring. I love Tucson in the springtime. It's one of my favorite times out of the year because not only do you have Arizona basketball, and now that the women's basketball team is really good, you add that element to it. Like It's really fun to be a basketball fan here in Tucson, Arizona. So you got both basketball programs thriving right now, and then you also add in spring sports like baseball, like softball, and then you got Tucson Sugar Skulls coming up, the indoor football league team. Tucson Roadrunners are in action right now. You got the Tucson Rodeo Parade. Hey, for you uh, for you kids listening right now, it's more than just a couple of days off from school. Tucson Rodeo is a tradition here in Tucson, and it's the 98th annual uh, Tucson Rodeo, and the Tucson Rodeo Parade is uh, kicking off on Thursday February 23rd, starting at 9 a.m., and the kickoff starts at Ajo and Park. If you want to see all the details about that parade, go to ESPNTucson.com. You got the Tucson Rodeo Parade, and then next month you have two professional golf tournaments coming to Tucson. In early March, you have the Kologard Classic, and Spears and Dali will be at the Kologard Classic on Thursday and Friday doing our live shows out there. And then um, later on in March... We got the Live Golf Tour coming to town. So in early March, you could see all the the old guys come to town. You could see the the John Daly's and the Fred Couples do their thing, and then later on, you could see the bad guys. You could see the Dustin Johnsons and and the Cam Smiths and all the guys from the Live Golf Tour who are really good. That's the thing about Live is like they've actually been able to get some pretty big names. At first, it was just oh yeah, Phil Mickelson, ah Dustin Johnson. Now they got Cam Smith. Now they got the Kepkas. They got some big-name players. They're coming to Tucson at the end of March, and they'll be playing at the gallery at Dove Mountain. So you have two professional golf tournaments. You got the Tucson Rodeo Parade. You got Arizona basketball. You got Arizona baseball and softball. You got Roadrunners. You got Sugar Skulls. Like Tucson, if you're a sports fan, get ready because spring is going to be chock full of sports and going to be chock full of opportunities for you just to go to really cool sporting events. And I'm sure I'm probably missing some, but I just rattle off a bunch of cool things that are happening in Tucson, Arizona, and I can't wait to talk about all of it here on ESPN Tucson. And uh, we were just talking about Arizona Wildcats basketball. Uh, we will be talking about Azulus Tubelis and his National Player of the Year campaign because, listen, I don't mean to go full Rodney Dangerfield again, but you don't get no respect. Azul's Tubelis. No respect nationally. But his play, the way Arizona's playing right now, we could be talking about the Wildcats possibly being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about all of that coming up next here at hour number three of Spears and Ali. Stay tuned. <laughs> 